0: Yet. I watched Keith Herring. You see, I study art. The greats weren't great because at birth they could paint. The greats were great because they would paint a lot.
1: Whoa. Wow. Wh- who who wrote that? Whose who's words right? are those? <clears throat> uh, is that, is that you, Berger?
0: You or or no. No.
1: Clement Greenberg? or
0: No. Keep going. You're almost uh, there. Uh, You're right on I it. I
1: don't know. Is it like maybe Jordan Peterson? Maybe this will help.
0: Like drop it. I I love I Keith you see, I art. great because at birth The were great because they paint a lot. <laughs> the
1: yes. Oh, it's Macklemore. Fair use, I mean, baby. Macklemore. I've been, wa- been waiting for three years to hear some Macklemore on, on Magic Camp.
0: Hey, and he should um, we just do a, a Ma-
1: straight up listening th- party through his Grammy winning album, uh, The Heist?
0: Yeah, and you know what, he has the um he has the magic camp uh, camper experience where he thought he was gay as a child because he could draw,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he kept a oh clean room. Oh my god, that is I forgot about that one. I mean, <laughs> I, every one of those songs has has some line that's just bafflingly <laughs> weird and like way too specific and stupid at the same time. Yeah, it's like yes, I study, I study Basquiat. I said, Escher, therefore, I study art. That's my point with those listings. And those he watched orders.
0: Keith Haring. I'm pretty sure Keith Haring was dead before he was born. I don't know. How, how old is Macklemore? Macklemore is um, probably
1: late 30, mid to late 30s would yeah. be my guess.
0: Okay, so maybe if he was hanging around the Lower East Side... Uh, no, no, I, I don't
1: think I, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying he was he he studied them. He in the watched sense that he
0: he was w- leaning in.
1: He did what we do, which is Google artists and scroll Got through it. their Wikipedia pages. So he studied M. C. Escher's by, by probably getting one of those coffee table books <laughs> and <laughs> reading it on the toilet.
0: Escher, Basquiat, and Herring, the big three, Escher. putting them Escher. together. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's hard. I don't know if there's a, there's an artist that's more closely associated with math teachers than MC Escher. <laughs> <M>. Yeah. <laughs> like, every, every math teacher has an MC Escher picture on the wall somewhere.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Man, well, it's true, though, right? Like, that's uh, it's, it's not your given, God-given talent that makes you a- an artist, right? It's that you put in those 10,000 hours that you get on that grind. And yep. you hit that Malcolm Gladwell threshold where suddenly you are a skilled artist, which ultimately is the measure of the artist, is if they're skilled.
0: Absolutely. You got to put in your 10,000 hours if you want to get on uh, to uh, the Lolita Express, to Little St. James with Malcolm Yikes. Gladwell.
1: Ooh. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad that we don't have to talk about Macklemore anymore throughout this episode. Let's just leave that. And let's, let's put keep that to moving bed. Forward. Yep. Um How's it going, man?
0: It's all right. Um, yeah. Just uh, the year's not off, too, as a, a r- quite as roaring of a start as I was hoping. Sure. Just kind of trudging along already, but that's I okay. I think
1: m- many are probably feeling the same way. Is that not how most New Year's, years should be start?
0: in spring, you know? Be more in cycle, like in tune with the cycles of nature. Yeah. When you actually right you know that's what the the liturgical calendar is for ben yeah that's true it's better
1: when is the chinese new year
0: you've been to china february i don't know okay
1: but it's probably not it's probably a different is different temperature there at this time different season i don't know (laughs) I think (laughs) it's the southern hemisphere right
0: yeah i think it's more north versus south hemisphere right versus versus west west. west. yeah
1: we're out of our depth clearly um well, I'm sorry to hear that, man. It's it's gonna be fine. We're gonna get through the uh, through this.
0: Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, I will say, at um, life drawing, you can tell that a lot of people are, um, getting serious about their New Year's resolutions because there's a lot more people, right? Younger people too. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. It's been crowded. Nice. People, people think, oh, I gotta, I gotta get out there. Gotta, gotta draw.
1: That's good. It's good to see people out and about. Draw and paint. I joined a um a local fitness recreation uh club or recreation center just literally Denver like Parks and Rec membership. Nice. Which I had no idea was as affordable as it is and I'm already it's already brightening my mood that's to good. go there not because of the exercise well, that's part of it but it you know
0: just to see it's the old c- men in the locker in the center. room, yeah, and their yeah, penises. Yeah. Exactly, hear yeah. a couple
1: guys like just yelling way too loud in the locker room, like. Yeah. But I wasn't uh, listening to what they were saying. Just kind of amazed by how loudly they were talking <laughs> to each other. I was like, well, you know, it's good to hear people out there talking, though. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Face to face conversations.
0: Yep, pressing the flesh.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs>
0: that does that does sound nice so they have like a spa or anything? they do not have a a sauna sauna.
1: i think that's part of what you're not paying for sure is is those sort of perks you got to bring your own towel they don't have towels there for you which is great because it i think the the main draw if
0: anyone's doing towel service during the covid era
1: true that may be true um is that so far knock on wood this gym
0: that's not wood. Appears. That's an IKEA splump uh, particle board. Well, you get the p- you get the
1: point. What about this? Not that also either. Also not wood. This that's wood. Your your can your easel better be wood. It's wood, right? Um, no. My my point was that the gym I think is merc- mercifully douchebag free, hmm. from what I can tell. Park, you get that from your. You parks get that from the park. The it's not. Rent. There's yeah. nothing sexy about the Saint the, Plan the of
0: Fitness. The Saint choose. And fitness. Th- uh, to
1: me, a Planet Fitness is the most depressing place in the world. Why would you want to go there and pay three times as much, if not more?
0: Some people like it.
1: Yeah, I guess so. That's anyway. cool. Yeah, that's that's what's going on with me. Uh, joined a gym. Um, just taking care of Roma. I feel like there's some other stuff going on, but I can't really remember what any of it is. Feeling very bummed about Chicago Bulls. Um, getting uh, like all their best players being injured and their season is rapidly going towards the trash but this is an art podcast and ne'er the two shall meet sports and <laughs> art um, that's a bummer it's okay sorry to hear that my uh, hero Alex Caruso was um, he was nearly assassinated by the scoundrel Grayson Allen He's just this the biggest oh god can sorry i'm gonna go off on a sports <laughs> rant here um never mind if you know you know i know there's a few people if We in need
0: there. to get a guest in here to help you out with this stuff and we can do that who a sports guest yeah a sports guest for you to chat with and <laughs> i'll just sit over here <laughs> He's
1: quietly refilling your glass of wine yeah. s- swilling it around nodding uh, take another oh, break yeah. every
0: time they say um touchdown
1: or. <laughs> uh-huh yep um Yeah, it's I'm a little little brain dead at the moment, which is not a bad place to begin for us, Um, because I think I've I've assembled a couple of uh, artists here or artists and poets who I've long wanted to do an episode about. We've we've talked about one of them before and have never really figured out how to do it. I don't mean to imply that I have figured out how to do it because I certainly haven't. And I'll say that that should be the starting point. I'm going to mark that as the theme, mm. the theme that carries through both the work and life of one John Michel Basquiat and what? the uh, great Sufi mystic poet known as Rumi, known to posterity as Rumi. Um, the point being that. Their work is indescribable in a lot of ways and that and that the word indescribable is in itself inadequate to describe their work and that their work is about that very concept of the indescribability of the of the of the sublime of the ineffable choose whatever cheesy word you want to use and i i hesitate to use those words like transcendent or sublime because they do get so uh damaged and stepped on by by Cretans like Jordan Peterson and art, art, Ben Shapiro. Art is universal. Art okay. is universal. If it's, art is, if it's art is supposed to If my grandfather can't look at it and understand it, then it's not art. <laughs> if he doesn't appreciate it, then it's not art. Right? The concept of universality or beauty being just like the most basic kind of uh, visual stimulation of something being a pretty picture and that being the what art is that's mm-hmm. the, the only measure of what art is do you agree this is what i art agree
0: is. i agree and i think this is a academic first pairing paul's pairing for you he's your somali pairing um basquiat was something very unusual Rumi. i don't mm-hmm. think this has been done before you've got a dissertation on your hands
1: i I, I maybe i do i i was googling Basquiat, Rumi. Nothing was coming nothing up. Nothing was coming up. Nothing was coming up. So that's a good, a good thing. That's what um,
0: that's what an uh, dess- dissertation advisor does. They just Google <laughs> right whatever your, yeah <laughs> the two hmm. th- things of your thesis are and go. You're good, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh no no no. That's just a Quora article. <laughs> and it's just aggregated keywords from different uh, articles.
0: That's just the Pinterest board. Someone yeah. yeah
1: that was generated by a bot of yes. some kind um
0: and you're gonna have to log in to see any more pinterest boards what <laughs> come on <laughs> come on nobody's doing that nobody's pinterest. doing
1: that at this point it's just google images don't make me log into google images thank you yep oh man Jeez. what if you know are we gonna go off on a rant here against pinterest <laughs> don't get me started uh, we've what else got pisses two, you off t- too
0: many other rants to get to yeah um uh well i've I've looked at basquiats i've not i don't think I've ever read any Rumi, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really interested in uh your setup here
1: sure sure well, um before we begin before we jump in i wanna i wanna do something here to sort of symbolize the starting of this this endeavor into the indescribable, and it's this listen oh boy, <laughs> here I ring the bell of <laughs> ignorance, boy. Uh the bell of ignorance, which signifies both mine and your lack of knowledge about these two artists, but not only that, about um, the things that they attempt to depict in their art. Because like I said, I'm, I'm circling around this already because I can't describe it and trying to preface the the many times that I will fail to describe what their art is doing, so I'm already off on off on a you know a dusty dirt trail. But it's also the bell of ignorance is intended to um, also sort of speak to the fact that with somebody like Basquiat, who is a um, obviously a super complicated person and has a s- incredibly complicated um, life story in the way that he as a black artist was appropriated kind of taken in by the art world very quickly sort of cannibalized and um used for the to pad the pockets of any number of you know white rich patrons um and just saying that that in itself is fraught and i know that and that you know any attempt to sort of like put a label on what he was or what he did or why he's important is inherently a misstep. And I, and I don't want to attempt to do that, you know, um, because that is what in a way all these, those people were trying to do. Um, so maybe before I get into those things or get into all the sort of more woo woo stuff about both of these, these blokes, um, Can you catch maybe the campers up to speed a little bit on any of your knowledge that you have? I know that we touched on some of his bio in a previous uh, episode where we talked about the movie, which is really great. If you haven't listened to that one, just go watch the movie. Don't listen to the episode. (laughs) Um, Well, so what's your knowledge of Basquiat?
0: Uh, Jean Michel? No, my. Which way does it go? Jean Michel. Jean Michel Basquiat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. complicated guy, even more complicated name. <laughs> um, yeah. First step for me was just ha- figuring out how, how to, to say, say his last name. Yeah.
1: I learned how to say his last name from Macklemore
0: I know McIlmoe. So props to Macklemore So much, yeah. <laughs>
1: so much about thrift shopping, about about gay rights. <laughs> yeah. About how how people figure out their sexuality as kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um uh I don't know that much about Basquiat. I don't remember really even getting like picking that up during my, you know, basic art history yeah. education. Mm-mm. I have more I more associate that time and place with Keith Haring mm-hmm. when you're talking about 80s New York street street art and the mil- milieu that's going on is like breaking and hip hop is being born. Right. Um and you have yeah, street art coming and people, people scrawling all over. Picture this:
1: subway wheels, a boombox yeah. on the corner. Thank you. Taxi cabs. Hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> Cut to guy
0: spray painting
1: on the the wall of a of a subway station. Yeah, that's the scene.
0: The Boz Lerman um, directed episodes of there was that show about hip hop. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was wasn't like the, a good chase
1: or something like that. What? No, that's not what it was called. It was like um, it was set in the Bronx. Yeah, it was like the boogie down or something like that.
0: I I can't remember. I remember that. Yeah, it was interesting. It's kind of because it it covers like how the disco, what the disco scene was sure, like, sure. and how hip hop clashed and came out of that. Right. Anyways, the the actually those two that Boslerman was involved with were. I liked, but so he didn't kinda, do all the those no, episodes. No, okay, I don't think so. Right. Any anywho, um, yeah. So I didn't know that much about him, but um, I mean, if you've seen them, they they definitely are are striking. Once you've seen them, then you've right. got them mm-hmm. in your head. You know, they're yeah. memorable, aggressive, ugly images with uh a lot of uh what I want to say like drawn on paint, right? Linear shapes, writing. Yeah graphic characters yep very um,
1: kind of um you know hard edges kind of
0: abrasive in a way yeah um i i do think the first time he came to my like you know adult aware consciousness was maybe five or so years ago there was a record set i think it was the most an american artist has sold for at auction was set i think by one of his paintings just a few years ago right you know somewhere Hundreds of millions, and range. then and, and then
1: picture this: five years later, um, at at uh, some sort of contemporary art auction, a banana, a <laughs> banana, Ben sells for a hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know, I mean, I don't know what to do with this, Ben. I, I I mean, what what even is art? Does this not signal the death of the West more than anything else? That a banana. It's funny that you sell say for that. that it much does. money.
0: Yes, it does. Well, not signal for the, the reasons that the you're. West. Yeah,
1: but. You know what I mean? Um, no, that was my bad uh, Ben Shapiro impression. I, the only thing I could find about him talking about art is just ranting and raving about the typical stuff. Did you hear about this artist? He pissed inside a dog bowl and then put it in a gallery, and that's supposed to be art. Can you believe this? Can you believe that, like, there's nothing to talk about? Like, Can you believe that there are probably uh, at least a dozen axe-throwing bars in the city of Denver alone? <laughs> To me, that a dozen, that's, that's a low ball. <laughs> like, I was thinking, that's my signal of the death of the West. Yeah, is is the <laughs> per, per, the fact that axe throwing bars are still a thing that they're not just I mean that they existed in the first
0: place. Yeah, that they are clinging. They're on still going. Still.
1: They're still hanging on even after all that reactionary folk music stuff died down. Yeah, you know, people right. are still going and throwing axes for fun.
0: Well, you know, people got to have work parties and right really lame bachelor parties <laughs> uh yeah anyways so um I don't know I think going through this is has, has been an attempt to try and try and understand Basquiat myself and mm-hmm. so I don't know a great deal um right uh well yeah
1: yeah that's the same for me and and that's again goes back to the first the sort of theme of the episode is that this is very much a sort of a, a educational exper- experiment for both of us um, as a name and a person who I've known about and has been on the radar and I've always been intrigued by but have had sort of a like cautious distance towards trying to engage in part because of the the sort of like w- weeds you have to chop through in order to get there you know yeah. you just have to start you have to get the context first in a way and you, you have to grapple with right All those things that are in the movie and that are attached to his sort of legend and persona, which is, you know, of course, like. Essentially, like a homeless kid in New York who was just doing street art, basically kind of like this sort of um, like found poetry slash graffiti slash um, like illustrations of some very crude sort of like drawings and murals um is somehow sort of catches the eye of some people i don't know who exactly and is just rocketed into stardom very quickly and for for good reason i think that's the thing that and we will get into some actual paintings here and into some actual like concrete statements about him is that that hype that surrounds him i think the the consensus is that it was it was real like it's it's 100 percent warranted um and i think that's been my my conclusion as well
0: yeah mm-hmm. i think for me um the groundwork we've done in spending a lot of time on you know the the canon of modern art early 20th century um is paying off now because it's i i feel like we are getting a better understanding um to be able to to move into stuff like this and i will say i mean it's easier to talk about stuff that's 100 years old the more closer we get to the present the more powerful the mystification is Mm. and that's why we've probably steered away so far as like we don't want to get you know totally blinded going into this and and not be able to 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 suss out what's real and what's not um but I, I, think we're able to sort of work our way there, going through the 20th century stuff. Like I said last week, um, talking about a little bit about Cubism and then Dada, um, and I, and mentioned how, in like, between the years of 1910 and 1920, everything was done. Like every formal innovation and exploration happened. It was a, it was in a very important earth-moving phase, where they sort of reset all the rules. And gave artists going forward and painters the ability to, to do whatever they need to do with the medium, um, express themselves in whatever different way, mm-hmm. formally, um, to get their message across or to, to show us what they wanted to show, S- and they they violated those initial academic rules so that the the playing field was totally clear for any type of formal approach, right, right. Um, and previously, when I looked at Basquiat, I think I only looked at it in a formal way mm-hmm. and was a little bit confused because it's like, well,
1: what's the this map? looks yeah. like a
0: Picasso. This, loo- sure. You know, this yeah, yeah. this looks like Guernica, I yeah. guess. Right. So why am I supposed to be that excited about it? Or, you know, it's got like the the anger and the chaos of Jackson Pollock or something like that. Sure. Just looking at those formal elements, it's like, I'm not sure I see anything all that new, yeah. maybe new combinations but I don't think it's about that anymore right that early modern period was really important for that now it's <coughs> it's not a, it's not about being formally innovative mm-hmm. um and I think Basquiat especially is more about what do you have to say yeah um and right. he definitely he had something to say mm-hmm. he had a he had a message and a vision um and he communicated it very well. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's harder to understand exactly who the audience was. Um, exactly how he angled and pitched himself. I have some thoughts about that. Um, but I think, I don't want to step on where you're going, but I think setting it up that way of like, you're sort of free now to really look at what he was trying to say at this at this time period.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm actually going to call on one of our, uh, you know, one of our celestial guides, our spirit guides here to provide some of that p- specific information in a in a structured way here so I'm gonna summon um I'm gonna summon John Berger down from his spirit his, of Berger his spiritual home.
0: We are open to your presence <laughs> <laughs> Paul shut up shut up join us now thank you mm. <laughs>
1: um, so this is an uh, Berger essay on Basquiat that he wrote I think at a uh, a show that would have been celebrating what would have been Basquiat's 50th birthday, so which would have been in probably like 2010 or something because Basquiat died at 27. Oh, that's the that's the that's the age. Yep. That's the age of death for the great artists, for the great ones. Um, Okay, so here we go. Before you get to him, you have to walk through a lot of hot air because he became a local and then a global legend. And you have to ignore the screeches of the vultures who deal his work. Is there any better word for that those people or comparison <laughs> than vultures? Nope. Screeches of vultures. Leeches? I love it. Leeches. Th- th- but leeches, I don't think, make any noise. Oh, They're right. silent suckers. <laughs> yeah, just just the sound that you make when you discover one un- under your bathing suit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right on oh. <under> your pecker.
1: <laughs> Had he turned up for the opening of the recent show nominally <laughs> celebrating his 50th birthday... He, in fact, died in 1988 at the age of 27. He would surely have turned up several days late. Um, When you you find yourself, however, face-to-face with what Jean-Michel Basquiat made, it's a revelation, as the many thousands of Parisians queuing for an hour recently to get into the show at the Musée d'Art Moderne had sussed out for themselves. They were of all ages, but the majority were young. Um, so that's setting the stage a little bit and maybe before we go any further I'll just put a couple of um, couple of paintings on the screen here maybe just kind of uh, refresh ourselves with the basics of of Basquiat and you can follow along in the uh, links in the bottom of the episode notes if you like um, to to some of this stuff
0: writing up a to-do item for you right now Paul.
1: <laughs> that's that's exactly what that is and this is actually probably one of his most famous paintings that I'll put up here and I think it's the one. Um, I think it may be the one that sold for all the money that you're talking about. Maybe. Um it's called Boy and Dog in a Johnny Pump. Um, and I actually don't know that much Sounds about
0: it's like it. an iron and wine. It song. does.
1: Boy with the coin, dog with a dog by the well, that sort of thing. Um one of his most colorful for sure, we have a classic sort of skeleton figure, which is like really common in a lot of his stuff where he does these sort of like stick figure esque um, characters who are somewhat approximate of him in a way they're like because mm-hmm. like you see the hair the hair because he had that all kind of wild dreadlocked hair and then you'll see like a Fran- almost like a francis bacon color palette like exposed ribs yeah um and then a dog the dog who's got a little kind of halo over his head but like really sharp scary teeth and then kind of like Just all sorts of splashes of color and and kind of jagged edges where the canvas is kind of exposed, but there's like dripping paint and stuff like that. So I can't really make sense of that just yet, but just visually, it's quite striking. Um, And... I would take a look at this if you're if you're interested in getting a little sense of what it is that we're talking
0: about. A little about. bit different from Keith Haring's dogs. You know, this guy's, this dog here is, is a little less uh, friendly.
1: Yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of a scary dog. Um,
0: all right, so let's keep going with, with Berger here.
1: So confronting his work, or being confronted by it, has little to do with high culture or VIPs, but a lot with seeing through the lies, visual, verbal, and acoustic, that are imposed on us, every minute seeing those lies dismembered and undone is a revelation
0: that's that classic fire Berger shit that's it's, that's that's fire whole, Berger that's shit.
1: Deal. and and that's that's like we should linger on that because that's that's what I've been failing to to work our uh, work up to but that's his opening line yeah that that sort of sets the tone which is that like in his art you could you could see the deconstruction of of lies in a way if for lack of a better word for visual verbal and acoustic is what berger says so that can be lies surrounding like just cultural cultural conversations uh societal norms conversations surrounding basquiat himself um sort of aesthetic rules anything right it it, it, you name any sort of conventional more like Essentially, what you're seeing on the canvas is a some sort of visual expression or personal expression of trying to uh destroy those conventions somehow i I don't know how to explain it yeah um what do you think
0: yeah um i I can't remember if it's in this essay and you might get there um where he points out in one of the main pieces of Basquiat's work is like the presence of symbol mm-hmm. so there are key phrases names right. words there are yeah, literal we'll get to that sim okay okay yeah no uh, you're good i don't want to um, run into it but just just as a preview um he's inventing a new symbolic vocabulary because the other ones are corrupt right and can't be used yeah
1: yeah exactly uh, all right let's keep going Basquiat's legendary curriculum vitae evokes something of his existential experience. A Haitian Puerto Rican black kid living on the streets of New York who tags walls and later starts making paintings that get shown and sold all over the world by the vulture dealers. A kid who also collaborates with Andy Warhol, painting in a daring and very pure way on the same canvases. A kid who over a decade produces thousands of images and then dies of a heroin overdose. This story and the many photos taken of him conjure up something of what Basquiat's life was like, but they reveal little about the secret of his art. Normally, when women or men want to contest the lies they are living among and under, they put forward as counter-assertions the truths that are being hidden. James Baldwin and Angela Davis are examples from an earlier period of both of them, being black, fought against those same lies. Okay, hang with me here. Basquiat chose a different strategy. He sensed that hidden truths cannot be described in any of the languages commonly employed for the promotion of lies. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm going to read that again. He sensed that hidden truths cannot be described in any of the languages commonly employed for the promotion of lies. So we are inherently always crippled by our use of language. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like Actual spoken language, or just as Berger says, the sort of other t- kinds of languages moral languages, spiritual languages, religious languages, ethical languages mm-hmm. that these things imprison us, and there's no way to actually escape them within them. Yep. He saw every official language as a code of conveying false messages. His strategy as a painter was to discredit and split open such codes and to let them in some vibrant invisible clandestine truths like a saboteur. His ploy as a painter was to spell out the world in a language that is deliberately broken, ontologically broken.
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Do you think he's saying he's saying that his own his own language is ontologically broken? Right? Yes and it which is means that it it ultimately doesn't all connect its own dots right exactly right. right
1: so i i think once we do get to some of the things that he that berger specifically points out in some of these paintings cuz i haven't studied them close enough to be able to identify those things but it lo- a lot of it does have to do with the kind of overlapping of of uh letters and words yeah. and Uh, different visual planes you know of like just like a a very crudely drawn like face of a pig or like a horse or a dog and then on the you know like just kind of superimposed on there or somewhere else in the vicinity of that thing is a totally ah man i just lost my train of thought my 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 language is ontologically broken um that it it gets to the point where it um undermines itself it's obviously chaotic when you look at it but you can it draws you in in a way that you almost start putting it together right you're like oh i recognize this like i'm looking at one right now where in the middle there's like a little panel that just says vini Vici, Vidi, right, rather than Vini, Vidi, Vici, Mm -hmm. which is in itself thought-provoking. Like, you don't know what he means by that, but just even subverting that, and it's recognizable, and that draws you in in a way that you can kind of comprehend at least something, but then very quickly, you're kind of lost in the chaos of of things being connected but not connected.
0: Yeah, it's like... um Standing back, you get the meaning, right? When your when your eyes are blurred enough, like very clearly, there's themes, themes here in big big shapes mm-hmm. that fit together. But once you get into that logo centric frame of mind of connecting everything into a system, it falls apart. Just yeah. like yeah, all, all language and meaning systems do.
1: So in it, it, ena- it enacts its meaning in its meaninglessness right. so it enacts its meaningless meaning visually it's it's a trip it's H- like a H- it's a feet the gong <laughs> here we go there we go um, it's very hard to describe and I'm, I'm struggling right now I'm feeling a little bit flummoxed by this in a way that I wasn't expecting to because I'm like dang it dang it Basquiat how are you so good <laughs> Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Berger makes a comparison basically between Basquiat and uh, a blind person in that a blind person recognizes that they could not possibly describe the world that they cannot see. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because they can't see it. They can feel it. They can touch it. They can make their way through it through uh, by other means. But they know that they can't ever describe what a tree looks like because they can't see it, right? And so that the comparison that he's making is that he knows that we can't ever describe the indescribable or the invisible or the divine, whatever it may be, you know, whatever word you want for it. And so there's never an attempt to to actually render the indescribable. There, it, It's only the representation of the inability to describe the indescribable
0: Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah only through the most abstracted abstracted generic generic symbols right right like the most generic form of a man or a dog
1: sure okay so as a painter That's exactly what I just... get. I'm going to skip that over. Okay, one of his self-portraits, auto-portrait, is like an assembly of a diagram. Excuse me, an assembly diagram for fitting together a shirt, a pair of arms, two kneecaps, a skull, and some boots. The space for him is, as a man is intensely there, but he within it is invisible and so cannot be captured by any official lie or cliche. So this is, of course, talking about his... Um, One of his self-portraits and the sort of message or the effect that is that it creates is a sense of presence and invisibility at the same time right And, and at least that's how Berger describes it which when you do start getting into his bio and you do start getting into his journey in the last sort of four or five years of his career When he was a superstar and a uh, you know a known quantity whose paintings were sold for five million dollars that that was kind of the direction that a lot of his work went was in in trying to find ways to represent the fact that he was made both like in into a myth and invisible simultaneously like he was kind of removed from his his presence within his own body by what other people by the projections that other people put onto him right at in the art world as a black man especially um, who was supposed to represent the voice of the streets who was supposed to sort of stand in for all these projections that or or desires that white people want to put upon black artists Mm -hmm. right and so he was able to capture that in a way that probably very few artists up to that point really were because it was a unique it's a uniquely like 20th century phenomenon is that is the capitalization of of black art by like white, um, you know, like profiteers, essentially. Now,
0: hang on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. um, you see what I mean? So like yeah. and at what a perfect time too, like the early 80s which is kind of the uh, threshold in a way of like, like you said, the birth of hip hop, but also the sort of like, so it's this oncoming boom of, of like black art once again, sort of taking the world by storm um, and and becoming this phenomenon um, in a way that he was able to kind of anticipate it through his own um, through his own experiences and through the way that he was, he was, taken captive by those forces
0: yeah and one thing this will be complicated to express Mm -hmm. but that i like like about him is okay i think in terms of just understanding him as a person i mean he he grew up his mother taking him to museums he went to uh, um you know like uh what do you call it arts arts focused schools um which is not to say he was you know rich or anything um but that he, that's the thing
1: is back in the day i mean maybe still you can in new york was like you could be a like a poor public school kid and still go to a right. like a super elite like public art school in, right, in the city exactly. yeah
0: yeah um the benefit of charter schools Paul. Well. no no no, <laughs> no 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 um uh but i mean he was uh you know a very smart kid precocious super, kid, super, super smart Yeah, spoke like three languages Mm -hmm. before he was 10 Mm -hmm. and was super exposed to this and it wasn't that he's just out doing graffiti and then some collectors like hey you should you've got it We should put this in a gallery yeah he at at some point wanted to be a great artist right and understood art and you know uh like looked up to picasso and things like that so he knew what he was doing he knew he knew where he wanted to be He was also perfectly aware of what the elite art world was composed of. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he had to have a strategy to deal with those contradictions of he wants to be a great artist. That means he's going to have to go into this insanely hypocritical, disgusting world. And so there's, I mean, so much of his, like his paintings, his gallery works are, have all of these self-defeating symbols in them of um understanding like the place he's in while also um deriding it and trying to poke at it while knowing like this ultimately isn't going to hurt his patrons like you can't this is the way i sort of think about it what i like contrasting him with like keith herring i think Basquiat knew he's going to have to deal with these elite collectors and you can't really touch them they're rich period like just deriding them in a painting doesn't do anything to them, Mm -hmm. but he did completely (laughs) over. He just like completely overstepped middle-class sensibilities. Yeah. Um, You know, there's nothing there for middle-class sensibilities, nothing there for like a petty bourgeois
1: taste. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's supposed to be disgusting to that sort of, sort of taste. The elite collectors, they they want the ugly, disgusting shit, cause they're sure. freaks, like, right. and they they want you to hate them, you know. <laughs> it's so fucked up. So and so, yeah. it's like he knows that the best he can do is sort of like put that contradiction into his work. Sure. That's I don't know. That's the way I've that's, sort of. That's that's a
1: good way of putting it. These next couple paragraphs might help unpack that a little bit more. But I had a couple of thoughts just swirl to mind there that you know I I can already say that in the course of this. Session this episode that I've already fallen fallen into the rabbit hole or into some of the the traps That I've attempted to avoid right or that or that um, that are so difficult to To navigate in a way it, it which is again part of his the point of his work it is is um, So for example, um The fact that i kind of when explaining his bio sort of emphasized even unintentionally this sort of street poet painter mystique and mythology with without you pointing out what you just did which is that he was a train or like a serious artist like who who was a kid who was a student of he was like you know he's like maglemore he studied art escher and himself um and uh so in a way that's like it's so hard not to slip into perpetuating some of those myths and that's what those a lot of those critics or not those critics but those curators and those patrons wanted to not only highlight and emphasize but to claim for themselves and claim that they were the ones who discovered him yeah right that's part of the whole whole point of why so many people were so not not why they were obsessed with him because the art spoke for itself and I think everybody knew that but why there was so much clamoring to be his patron to be his dealer his agent was I want to be the person who discovered this this diamond in the rough right and which is inherently like obviously like colonial and racist and like Deeply messed up, mm-hmm. the way that though that he was he was as a person commodified by the art world a- as this prize, as this gem of of you know this the voice of the streets essentially, yeah,
0: in it like an oracle, right? Um, to some you know transcendent truth that can o- can't be found in our hoity-toity galleries. We have to go go to the gutter and right. find to find this prophet, like. P- And and it's that
1: and it's the paradox. It's it's these people who probably could write an essay or like hold a sort of keynote on like all the very things that we're saying about his art, defying categorization and and having all these contradictions in it and stuff. And at the same time. Not avoid the temptation or fall into the trap of wanting to possess it wanting to hold it and say that they hold it yeah right which is that not the nature of truth question mark
0: mm. Mm. yes yes it is it's like water through our fingers remove your, your question mark <laughs> I just answered it. it
1: is okay here we go K- let's keep going here his p- painting Do- boy and a dog in a johnny pump which is the first one we looked at
0: um gesticulate with your right hand hold the mic oh am i moving the mic i know it's impossible when you're holding a book my bad you're good i'll just
1: try not to move my hands too much boy and dog in a johnny pump is a screen of splashes spelling out the excitement the fury the fun of a boy and dog on a stifling summer day in brooklyn dousing themselves with jets of cold water from a fire hydrant but neither dog nor boy can be identified they have very strong and precise features, but none of these features can be accommodated on an identity card. And all the features demanded by IDs have been scratched and painted over, scratched out or painted over. So that's another thing he'll do is like the thing will be there. There will be a thing there, whether it's like an ear or a heart or an eye or something like that. Then It'll scratch over it, mm-hmm. right? Which, Which is, you know, obviously... Very intentional and like looks random and and just like a part of the composition, uh, which is, you know, visually striking, but has a has a sort of textual message to it in a way, um, which is like erasure of the meaning of that thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And all the features I already said that are scratched out or painted over. This doesn't mean that the dog and the boy are being evasive. It simply means they are free.
0: Yeah, I I really like how he unpacks this. And this is why Berger is, you know, the great demystifier. Because what he is doing is trying to to wash away um, that whole voice of the prophet thing. Mm -hmm. In his book on Picasso, it's very similar. Picasso was alive when he wrote it. And Picasso was this type of figure at that time. Mm -hmm. And Berger sort of explains how Picasso being from Spain... Which was at the time more of an outlier in a wild place, mm. not you know, not high culture Paris. Picasso is this matador from somewhere else who could come and speak prophecy to Europe. Well, he's dead now, and Basquiat is filling that role. And just to go back to our you know big theme, Berger's ignoring all that and just saying, can we sit down and look at the work, and see what you can understand about it? Mm-hmm. I really like that. What I really like about what he's what he does here I mean he's he he's reading this painting as a lot more positive than I would mm-hmm. and joyful than I would on first glance sure um as depicting you know a boy and dog just going going nuts in the city in a fa- in a, a fire hydrant hey Arnold style you know yeah sounds great um and yet like to on first observation like the figures in all Basquiat's are so grotesque looking yeah I think the I think what Berger's gets here, which now makes sense to me, is it's because Basquiat is intentionally shunning native languages to to create his own language, to make himself a foreigner. Right. Um, To to become strange and speak, speak a different language in order to jar people. Um, And that is always going to be the experience when you encounter a different culture, a different language. It sounds and looks ugly to an outsider that's where our definitions of beauty and ugliness probably ultimately come from is just familiarity and whether they line up with our own you know scheme of values and so whenever you're confronted with a language you've never heard before or customs you've never seen before it looks grotesque mm-hmm. and so I, I think I'm just kind of coming to this right now like what Berger is seeing is if you spend long enough in this, in his alien world, you can understand that people live in this world. Like that there's life and joy here. They're not, they're not grotesque aliens. It's just that they don't, that we're not, we're we're not speaking your language. Right. We come from a different place. Right.
1: No, absolutely. That's, I think that's conveyed in that, that final line there, that they're not intentionally being evasive or, uh, Disruptive, they're free, they're being free, and again, this gets at one of the essential points of attraction of his work, like you're saying is that sort of like push away and pull cl- pull near at the same time yeah of of representing exactly what you're talking about
0: and um, the f- the free line I think is really good because to understand something and all of its new nuances is to categorize it and to own it Mm -hmm. right like we can understand every single shade and color of white suburban guy (laughs) like
1: i I know it too well all too well
0: you know we can tell you exactly what is on his airpods (laughs) like by by looking at how he dresses and that's that's the the deadness that comes from over familiarity where you've Speak a language so well that mm-hmm. like you think you understand everything right Um Versus the freedom of someone being a par- standing apart being strange You can't categorize them. hmm The only way, you know is like what what is that? What is that freakish thing? I'm looking at when in truth is like there's so much nuance in life going on in them that You're you, you just can't understand and therefore you can't categorize you can't own right i'll let you keep going sorry no so I, that's, that, some that's of that just clicked for me so that's
1: all very well put i think you're um you're spitting bars right now uh a la like john like macklemore a la, a la Maclemore. Maclemore, john berger collab maybe mm. i wonder if i wonder if macklemore reads john berger yes next question <laughs> <laughs> um again we we approach a, another contradiction we approach the um the tragedy on the other side of the thing that you're talking about, which is like possession, possession mm-hmm. of of when that feeling is expressed, when that experience is had of, wow, I can't I can't pin this down. I can't figure it out and understand it. The next feeling. At least if we are. It's not even a feeling. It's more of a, an impulse. It's a reaction is to capture and to pin down and to smother. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what continually happened and maybe you could make a case that that is what, that is what the modern contemporary art world is designed to do. That's what it is and why it's so oppressive and disgusting in so many ways. Mm-hmm. So what, do, I, okay, here we go. Um, how did Basquiat put his strategy into practice? How did he proceed visually, graphically? He invented his own alphabet, which consists not of 26 signs, but of hundreds of signs. It includes the Roman alphabet, numerals, geometric shapes, graffiti emblems, logos, map symbols, pictograms, outlines, diagrams, drawings. And with them all, he spells out the world. This was where everything kind of started to click for me when I read this the first time and Mm -hmm. was looking at the paintings at the same time. Um, Often, the signs confirm one another. Thus, the four letters N-O-S-E, nose, find themselves beside a drawn protuberance with two nostrils. Thus, the three letters P-A-W, paw, find themselves on the back of a left hand in a painting called Hollywood Africans. Hmm. So, that would be, you know... A cause, cause to pause and cause to look in there. If you're, if you're following along, cause to here. pause, P A W S. Cause to pause. That's the name of our nonprofit. Um, ben and Pause Anderson. When I was little, I thought my name was Paul. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> really? Now <laughs> there, there
1: was a time when I, I didn't. I could, That's not. And that's not exactly it. No. It was. It was that I didn't understand how to spell it.
0: It's a tricky one. Yeah. You no know, double vowels. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's kind of elegant um, for a little kid.
0: Whereas I thought my name was Bean. <laughs> hey
1: there, Bean. <laughs> Nobody called you that. Hey, Bean. Until no, no, I for, went to college. Co- yeah. D- yeah. There were a, maybe a couple kids on the on the block who who's had parents from the south who said, "Hey,
0: Bean. Yeah. You want to wrestle? <laughs> want to wrestle, Bean?
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's that's again where the like the language or the alphabet, as Berger Berger calls it. That he uses is a guide in a way, or a sort of map for the for the viewer, and then it and then it twists and it turns and it and it suddenly puts forth a, a more provocative and critical message. You know, like visually you see, like you said, the grotesque, the sort of um, the discordant and sort of jagged edges of the world that he's sketching out. But you can't necessarily make sense of like what's the what's the message here. But the the words can be an can be an entry point into that more. So like you have nose, literal representation, right? N O S E for a nose. But then paw for a hand. I don't feel like I need to explain that, but it's brilliant, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like and it and it says so much with so little, And, and says so much about the thing that that painting hollywood africans is about right, right. which it which is essentially like the re you know reinterpretation of of uh or recommodification of, of like african-american life into into a new form of like uh labor that is not compensated hmm. in some way or another yeah or dehumanizing
0: yeah and i think tying back to my earlier thought what's very I think he's very smart Um, because on the one hand he knows like that the the real the buyers in the contemporary art market are looking to him for meaning you know they want tell tell us something you know something deep right and so he's going to give it to them he's going to say yeah my my painting is full of symbolism and meaning and it's all this complex stuff but knows that they're not going to take the time <laughs> to figure it out. Right, you know, the right. guy who who bought, you know, whatever it was, um, you know, the the last highest selling piece of his like it's hanging in his living room or whatever. And he's like, yeah, whatever the fuck. I don't know. Like, it's yeah. about something. I or,
1: or, or it is the type of curator, critic, not critic, but like patron who does get it. Because they have critics who can tell them things, or because they, they go to the cocktail parties and what whatnot, and it gives them that that sort yeah. of that ar- almost erotic thrill. Right? There's enough. Like, I yeah. I own a piece of this like incredibly, uh, sort of like iconoclastic black art, and I'm a rich white man. Ooh, like yeah. Oh yeah. That that's so that's like you know lizard behavior for sure.
0: Yes, for sure. And there's enough that's on the surface of some of them, at least, that it's like, oh well, yeah, this one's about a you know brutal police beating, mm-hmm. you know, like
1: sure, there's that, there's the virtue sign- signaling yeah. element,
0: but s- still, for the cynics and the shallow idiots, mm-hmm. it's like he knows what he's doing. He knows like that this is the art world, but there, there actually is content in depth for. The people who are who are only aren't going to be owning his work, but who are earnest observers and earnestly do want to understand. And in the end, like the deeper message is about how meaning does fall apart um, and symbols fall apart. I just think I think you can take them at at both levels of like there's some things he's going to throw to people. And then there's like the uh, the actual depth that you can go into.
1: Right. Um this is a really unique one here. Uh This one's called Riding with Death. It looks a lot different than any of his other ones. It's it's much more it feels more refined, more like it's it's interesting also. It's 1988, so this would have been very shortly before his death. He trusted his instincts. Okay, with his extensive alphabet, he gives everything a name that belongs to no official language and therefore can enter no official record. The events that inspired him answer to the names he gives them, and the names collude with the events. There is a mutual recognition. The paintings are very expressive and at the same time absolutely unpronounceable. They can be read silently, or can be remembered wordlessly, or they can be replied to by another painting, or by another direct action, but they cannot be pronounced in official discourse. They cannot be pronounced in official discourse. Hang on, where's my my bell? And their illegality is intimately connected to the fact that the vivid images celebrate the invisible. Thus, no lie can net them. They are free. Indeed, they are an exemplary demonstration of freedom. And he has an exclamation point there, which I love. Indeed, they are an exemplary demonstration of freedom.
0: exclamation points underrated
1: totally. and incitement to freedom. and that's huge. that's what that's what sets Basquiat from apart from other artists and what all artists probably fail to do, not all but most ninety nine percent, which is like that they actually cultivate or not cultivate, but like. Inspire a feeling of the possibility of freedom. That you look at it and you think, "I could be free. Mm -hmm. I could be amazing. Wow! I don't feel that ever, except in this moment with a a mere
0: change of perspective. Right? It could could be that easy. Mm -hmm. Right?
1: That it's that it's this like the the tiniest barrier, the barrier, the tiniest veil Mm -hmm. that separates." us from that world that he lives in or that the, the paintings themselves live in right am i getting too sentimental here on no this? no
0: no i was about to give you some snaps actually i don't do snaps to do this little
1: we know. call that quiet coyotes i'm clapping what is, with what it. Is this
0: something i saw on tv
1: <laughs> anyway um i think berger hits the nail on the head that the incitement to freedom um yeah that's what we're all after is it not
0: hmm yeah damn right on
1: each painted figure or animal or object imagined by Jean Michael Jean-Michel Basquiat has borrowed a t-shirt from death in order to become invisible impossible to arrest invisible and free hence the exhilaration
0: borrowed a t-shirt from death
1: Borrowed a t shirt from death.
0: That's a nice turn of phrase.
1: It is. It's maybe a tad clunky. <laughs> but I like it. I like what he's getting at. Um Yeah, I think I think it's it's right. I think it's it's on the it's on it's on point. I don't know what else to say about Basquiat without doing the thing that I'm saying not to do.
0: I think we've said it.
1: I think we have said it. I think we figured it out. Here's what I'll say. Here will be my. Here will be my. I think segue. we figured
0: it out. Gong. <laughs> this thus signals
1: the, the that we no longer need the gong. <laughs> um, no, we we still need the gong. Um, but uh, so, I think the thing that I'll end on, and this may be a bummer note to kind of segue into the next thing, is that ultimately, like that, like I said, the the sad thing that always comes after that incitement to freedom is like the is the clapping down is the clamping of like nope mm you don't get to be free so you got to i get, we got to grab everything we can and hold on to it tight i've got to i've got to get this basquiat painting i've got to get this you know write this review of his painting that establishes me as the person who understands basquiat right which
0: you had a little anecdote about jerry salts i think what was it about him i don't i don't remember um i just remember watching an interview with um oh what's the guy's name glenn what's his name uh uh not glenn Beck. he he had this little tv show uh shit i can't remember anything about it but anyways basquiat like i think appeared on it a few times this is sort of the start of some of his local legend mm. anyways oh I right right he was talking with jerry salts and jerry Saltz was just being a little prick right. in my opinion about making very clear that he uh he was there at the time and he saw you know that basquiat was great and other people didn't mm-hmm. and being very petty about it right which yeah for sure just seems very typical
1: and and illustrates even if jerry salts You know, is an asshole for doing that. That that is in some way forgivable, because it's what everybody does. Yeah, to some degree.
0: Yeah, and making content out of thing I've seen a lot of, like, oh, and like, where were you when you when you heard that Boscat died? You know. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. He did that. I've seen I've seen that in several cases, and it's always for content. Bummer. It's gross. I, I don't want to take a step down that road.
1: Yeah, we road. don't have to go down that road. Um, So, I think the thing that Basquiat has in common with the great Afghani Middle Eastern poet Rumi, well, not obviously Afghanistan at the time, but understood to be from what is now known as Afghanistan. Um. Well, there are a lot of things they have in common. but
0: Back then, it was all just Persia and... Lord willing, it will be again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Say more on that, Ben. No, thanks. Is this the, is this the Middle East corner with Ben. Ben talking straight. I'm
0: just kidding. Talking
1: straight on the Middle East. Just kidding. Um,
0: just some Persian pride, you know.
1: Yeah, for sure. We just had a wonderful meal from Damascus Grill. If you're in the Denver area, highly recommend Damascus Grill. Mm mm mm. Finger looking good. Okay, so, um, they have a lot in common, but one thing I noticed in my research is that. Everybody wants to say they know it, that they know Rumi (laughs) and that they know Basquiat. The thing that's a little embarrassing for me, and it's not embarrassing for me, but as I was doing a little bit of research, and mostly I I just have been reading him on my own, you know, and I, I don't actually know that much about his influence or like how well regarded or respected he is in poetry circles or in america or all these different things but just a little bit of research yields uh information that like he's super popular in fact i believe that rumi is i want to say the highest selling poet in the united states wow which is wild because he's middle eastern he's you know 12th century or 13th century uh muslim mystic essentially
0: even more than hold on while i think of another poet um
1: <laughs> shel silverstein
0: Shell silverstein uh dr seuss i don't seuss think so.
1: was no no poet i'm kidding no he was uh i don't think they class would classify seuss as a poet even more than hang on hang thing.
0: on i can think of five poets for sure five poets yeah
1: can you re- all right let's go
0: um walt women good walt women uh <laughs>
1: Which is a good one because I would say that like Whitman is like the white white roomie. I
0: just picked up for $1 at my local library used Whitman. Nice. It's on the shelf. Leaves of Grass? It's some anthology. Cool. Um, okay, all right. Um, Dream Deferred. Nice. Which is...
1: Uh, I'll let you go for it.
0: Uh, I don't remember. Langston Hughes. Langston Hughes. Mm-hmm. My Aunt Angelo. Yeah.
1: Good uh t- ever heard of tupac <laughs> <laughs> i definitely did include tupac, a tupac so so we had a poetry um had to do a poetry pack at the end of freshman literature in high school and uh it was a combination of like our own poetry and then like a couple poems that we found and like and i i included a tupac i
0: poem. absolutely did that <laughs> essay, we, we yeah. both did that
1: yeah. but not gonna lie I didn't know this at the time. In retrospect, I can I can now say, with you know, this is a little humble brag here. My freshman English teacher, Miss Jones, she gave it back to me and was like, very impressed by her poetry packet, Paul, and I was just like, I didn't even try. <laughs> well, I didn't even try. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> didn't even
1: study, <clears throat> which is also kind of a, a pedagogical point. There, it's like I wasn't trying. It was like. Just learning. That's just, that's what learning is. Hmm. I was actually enjoying it. I wanted to do it.
0: And being praised by a teacher, you know. There's nothing better. Pretty nice. Yeah. I think I can remember. Few and far between. Yeah. Um, a couple of key moments. Mm-hmm. Um, well, take that uh, poetry packet to SNL. You might, might get on.
1: <laughs> With my, like, mixture of, like, Tupac poetry yeah. and, like, I definitely had a poem about... they like, this is hilarious. You're in. A, an American soldier oh, in, wow. a, in, in Iraq who was, like... Oh, wow. Like, um, sad and, like, heroic. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I honestly was it just, came like... came right
0: out of the air. It came straight out of, yeah.
1: like, S- Sports Illustrated for Kids or something like
0: that. Yeah, it came from, literally, chemtrails. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In, in our...
0: Like, in our... Lucky charms.
1: <laughs> um, anyway, so, okay. Walt Whitman likes to It's definitely an op. Definitely a, an op. Yeah. Um, Maya Angelou. Two more.
0: I'm out. <sighs> Come on. Out. You
1: got this, bro. What do you know? Wendell uh, Berry.
0: Good. I'm looking literally at my <laughs> bookshelf. Uh, Blake. Yeah. There, there you, you go. go. He's not an American poet, but. I didn't say anything about
1: America. I thought you did say America. No, poets. I just said that Rumi was the best-selling American, one of the best-selling poets in in America. So
0: that is fascinating.
1: Also, apparently, huge with celebs. Um, there was like a resurgence of like, um, like Madonna got really into Rumi. Um,
0: Basquiat dated Madonna. Did you know? Yes, that? Yes, I did know that. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, and uh, you know, found to my chagrin that that. Jay-Z and Beyonce named one of their kids Rumi. um (laughs) no it's it's fine it's cool um but I think the thing to me that I also recognize in myself in seeing that which is just a, a variation of the same hipster attitude which is like damn it like I thought I was the only person who liked this, you know, or like I was, I thought it was the only person who knew how good this is. Well, I guarantee
0: you no one else is doing a podcast about John Berger or with so <laughs> heavily right. featuring John Berger. Uh,
1: yeah. You're probably right about that. Um, but that is another way of saying possession of, of the urge to, to possess yeah. art, to possess <laughs> truth, to possess beauty, for lack of a better word. Right. Um, to, like as I was about to do try to name my dog Rumi which
0: were you thinking about it? I mean I, Rumi was on the it, list come on
1: it does it's kind of a good it, name it applies it come applies on. and I wouldn't have been embarrassed by it but there is some small part of you that's like well for what even if it's not to show I'm not saying it's the point is to show how how spiritual or how you know in the know you are about poetry and wisdom literature whatever you want to call it it's it's that I want to hold this I want I want to take what ethereal mystical experience I had and like put it somewhere Mm
0: -hmm. that I can
1: actually still have it and hold it you know in the form of a dog who I can grab and say this is Rumi which I learned and this is we've actually brought this up before on previous episodes and this is always disappointing when you learn this Rumi was not his name, Rumi, was a name that was applied to him afterwards, or at least was referred to by other people to refer to him as. It means of Rome. Rumi means of Rome, but hmm. he was ob- He was obviously not from Rome, Italy. So you
0: kind of did name your dog Rumi. I exactly. I named <laughs> my dog
1: Roma. So it's a little bit better. But b- r- r- meaning of the Roman Empire. Interesting. So at that point, Afghanistan. Would have been a part of the Rome, well, not Roman part Empire. of the
0: Persian Empire.
1: No. Oh. At least that that part of it. I mean, I think that was eventually when the Turks, when the Turks clashed with the Romans. I think that happened, right? Sure. Turks took over all of the all of the Middle East essentially. Yeah, they were and, clashing and, and, for sure. And you know, that's when Islam became the, you know, de facto religion of the of the Middle East. Um, was formerly Rome Roman territory? I think.
0: But Make, that checks out.
1: Don't quote me on that. Any if any scholars come for me here. Um, <clears throat> so, Rumi, I've been
0: watching a lot of Game of Thrones, and yeah, you, you're you're dead on.
1: Do they go to any like they go to some like kind of Middle Eastern?
0: Well, they're all like parallels. Par, par, par,
1: par, yeah. yeah, right, right,
0: right. Yeah. right of course.
1: Um, so, of course, Rumi was a. He's what is known as a Sufi Muslim. Uh, person he was like a scholar in his early early in his life and then kind of turned to poetry and just kind of blew blew up you know blew the poetry world uh wide open um and there's some sort of uh (laughs) speculation and, and definitely skepticism towards you know as there should be uh like english translations of of it and people will say that this one in particular which is you know the most like Beloved and highly, highly read, which is the one by translated by Coleman Barks. People say that he Americanizes it too much, and and puts it into to uh, American even of a, like a spiritual framework, like too Christian, mm-hmm. which I think could be true. But I don't think it it's Christian as much as it is you know more uni- universal, just kind of like mystical. But that again is, is another.
0: It, did he write in Arabic?
1: Um, I I don't I think it's Farsi. OK, I want to say um, it's probably not even it's probably a very different language, even from what anything we recognize now. But, um, you know, given that was a thousand years ago. But so that, too, is also an interesting thing that I discovered in kind of reading around is that everybody, everybody wants to everybody wants to claim Rumi. People want to say, no, he was not. He was not a Muslim. He was a he was a. a a Buddhist plus a Christian plus a this plus a that. Like he had a little bit of everything because the Buddhists were there. And in that time, and there was these influences. And, and you know, Muslims will say, no, Rumi is, is Muslim first and foremost and only. And for which I would say they have a right to say that. And that is probably more true than not. But his poetry, if my understanding of it is in any way correct, which I, again, hang on, wait a minute. Sorry, that was your little pen Go thing, ahead and your h- pen Yeah, hit,
0: hit my um, stainless steel water bottle with my Wacom pen. It <laughs> really puts me ten in the ten mood ten for $10,000 pen. No, no, um, not at all. No, you just, it just, very, uh... The, the sound you, is what gets... Yeah, but I can see what what just happened. You in so, the mood. <laughs> what happened to my paintbrush? Um, <laughs> it's
1: in your book. Okay, <laughs> so his poetry though is essentially mystic right it's mystical in the way that it is attempting or at least is attempting to um articulate the inarticulable or to express the inexpressible uh and well it's it's not attempting to do so it's attempting to express that the inexpressible is inexpressible mm-hmm. do you see what i mean see yeah, the yeah, difference yeah, 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 yeah. that it's not it's not Ben Shapiro, right. who's saying. Art shows us the transcendent. It 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 reminds us of of the inexpressible, or or it shows the inexpressible. It's no. My art is for the purpose of saying that I cannot say it. Mm-hmm. See the difference? Yeah. That to me is the difference between like orthodoxy and mysticism.
0: Accentuating and highlighting ignorance.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and he was also, you know, he would. Okay, I need to read some poems. I, I'm, I'm circling around it too much. Um, Three
0: times a week, Paul says that to me. I gotta read some poems. God damn it! I gotta get out here <laughs> and read some poems.
1: <laughs> um, uh, I had another thought. I can't remember what it was. Okay, so I'll, I'm gonna read one line for you here. And, and no, I'm gonna read more than that. But I can't I'll, wait. S- I'm I'll start psyched, with one.
0: And I hope you'll leave this book here and forget it, like you forget. It. One item at my house every time. It's you leave. true, I, I do. It's it's a, a h- so horrible, horrible <laughs> habit I have.
1: Um it's a pain it's a total pain in the ass. Okay, let's see. Uh I lost my poem. Or I lost my line. So this line just jumped out at me. Um
0: He also says that to me three times a week. So again, he
1: which one? This poem just um, jumped
0: Oh shoot, I lost my poem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you seen my poem?
1: <laughs> just pat patting your, your breast. Walking
0: bucket. up to girls on the street. Have you seen my poem? It was just here. <laughs> oh, here it is.
1: <laughs> it's for you.
0: <laughs>
1: Baby, you're so f- hot. That's what it says. That's the poem. Um, so, all right. I'm going to read just this one line. It comes from a longer poem, and I want to see if you register the registers.
0: Okay. This is a test. Let's, I get it. It's, one, it's 146.
1: Hang on, here it is. Okay. Wait for it. So I'm going to read the whole stanza. Tree limbs rise and fall like the ecstatic arms of those who have submitted to the mystical life. Leaf sounds talk together like poets making fresh metaphors. That one in particular. Leaf sounds talk together like poets making fresh metaphors. Here's what I love about that is that typically a poet is making a metaphor about leaves Mm -hmm. where a poet is using a leaf as a metaphor to say something. This is a poem written 900 years ago, (laughs) before Ezra Pound, before E.E. Cummings, before the deconstruction of metaphor. Right leaf sounds talk like poets making metaphors. Hmm. Do you get it? Le- the leaves are themselves creating metaphor. Mm-hmm. Do you understand like the the idea there? I don't I can't even explain it.
0: Which are themselves just ephemeral clatter.
1: Right. Yes, absolutely. They are just ephemeral clatter, but at the same time they're I, I don't know it's it's so it's a feedback loop of yeah. of language imitating or mi- language failing to express the the way of the world and the way of nature. Mm-hmm. And that nature itself in this case is mirroring back at us our attempts to describe it. Mhm. He was interested in the source, is what many people say. Not language, but the source of language. Where does it come from? Where does the, the desire or the urge to, to express, what is the source of that? Muhammad said, Don't theorize about essence. All speculations are just more layers of covering. Human beings love coverings. They think the designs on the curtains are what's being concealed. They think the designs on the curtains are what's being concealed. Is it... <laughs> nodding. Nodding. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um,
0: Pondering emoji.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Scrunchy face emoji. Uh, observe the wonders as they occur around you. Don't claim them. Feel the artistry moving through and be silent. Or say, I cannot praise you as you should be praised. Such words are infinitely beyond my understanding. And so there's a lot of the, that stuff is more accessible. There's a, there's a mixture sure. of like the heady and, uh, sure. yeah. and the very clear and the very transparent. Um, let's see. Now I'm going to skip that one. That one's kind of – see, here's an example of one that like you could easily find on an Instagram caption, which, okay. which is a way that Rumi is repurposed. And here again, I face a, a, um, a contradiction in myself. One is, f you, for re for using Rumi in your Instagram. That caption. should be illegal. That should be illegal. I own the Rumi NFT, and you can't <laughs> steal it from me. <laughs> <laughs> I de- that's what I should. Oh, should I start? Should I start making Rumi NFTs? Damn. <laughs> You are on something. It's the most it's literally the most obscene thing I could possibly imagine. If
0: there were a god you'd be I would be in, in the, right the seventh now. circle yeah. <laughs> for
1: eternity. It, it's it's reserved for those people who try to who try to own the unownable. Crypto guys. Crypto guys. Yep. Fuck those guys. <laughs> okay. Um So here's an example of of uh one that is more accessible and more probably common uh it's called the guest house this being human is a guest house every morning a new arrival a joy a depression a meanness some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor welcome and entertain them all even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture still treat each guest honorably he may be clearing you out for some new delight the dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes beca- because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Hmm. Rupi Carr, 2019. That's a, that's a bad joke. <laughs> Rupi Car is, is yeah. an ins- ins- Instagram, Instagram poet um,
0: who is well, definitely. Well, I don't know them, but I'm sure they've got book deals.
1: Major book deals.
0: Major, 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 major book. Deals. Also just good advice for uh any Airbnb listeners out there.
1: <laughs> P- people who have Airbnbs like host yeah. Airbnbs? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Or B and B. Just bring it in. B hosts. Yeah, the
1: original Airbnb.
0: Right. See, last week Paul's giving me shit about flipping around a big book and <laughs> struggling to find something and then reading for twenty minutes straight. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. Totally. You're totally right. <laughs> it's uh, hard. hard. It is tough. Okay, it's, a, it's hard to hold a mic and flip through a book and find it is. It the is the right quote. This is uh, this is like
1: jazz. You just kind of have to go with it. I agree. I'm I'm into it. Okay, let's check this one out. Um, this one is called "Unfold Your Own Myth."
0: Okay, I, I like you this. like that. You I like, like
1: where this is going. Who gets up early to discover the moment light begins? Who finds us here circling, bewildered? Like Adam's, who comes to a spring thirsty and sees the moon reflected in it? Who, like Jacob, blind with grief and age, smells the shirt of his lost son and can see again? Who lets a bucket down and brings up a flowing prophet? Or like Moses goes for fire and finds what burns inside the sunrise? Hang with me here and it, gets, mm-hmm, it starts mm-hmm, to make mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Jesus,
0: ding, ding, ding. That's our guy. <laughs>
1: Wiping sweat from my
0: brow. Well, before he said Muhammad, and I can you imagine? Can you imagine like a
1: pastor, like a progressive pastor, like trying to open up a a sermon with a Rumi poem, (laughs) and it's like he's like, okay, hang on, hang on, wait, wait, here we go. Bear with me here. (laughs) Jesus slips into a house to escape enemies and opens a door to the other world. Solomon cuts open a fish and there's a gold ring. Omar storms storms in to kill the prophet and leaves with blessings. Here we go. Chase a deer and end up everywhere. An oyster opens his mouth to swallow one drop. Now there's a pearl. A vagrant wanders empty ruins. Suddenly he's wealthy. But don't be satisfied with stories. How things have gone with others. Unfold your own myth without complicated explanation so everyone will understand the passage. We have opened you. Start walking towards Shams. Your legs will get heavy and tired. Then comes a moment of the feeling of feeling the Hang on. Then comes a moment of feeling the wings you've grown lifting. Hmm. So that's another note here. You you may have heard the unfamiliar word shams mentioned there. Shams, I learned, is he was essentially Rumi's uh, well, let, I, I don't know if it's it's possible to say whether it was his hetero or homo, uh, homosexual life mate partner, hmm. but he was because I, I think Rumi was married, but there was this chap named Shams, who was a like a wandering dervish mystic, because hmm. Rumi was a dervish. If you're familiar with the dervishes, the whirling ones. Well, he created the whirling dervishes. No way, I did not know this. Dervishes were already in existence. They're essentially just a, a sort of monastic sect, like mm-hmm. you know, like a friar, mona- monastic friar of some kind. But Rumi, in addition to his poetry, and much of his poetry is about dancing. It's about it's about like the spirituality of dancing and whatnot. And um, he was known to, to whirl about, twirl about, and he created the Whirling Dervishes. He was the first Whirling Dervish.
0: Wow. Didn't yeah. know.
1: Yeah. At least, how about that? According to the internet. um, but So she, he
0: had a bit of a frog and toad situation with this. With this <laughs> stuff yes. By.
1: That's a very <laughs> accurate comparison. Any, any literary, like, friendship or, like, friendship between, like, definitely gay poets <laughs> yeah. and, like, writers? I mean, they, uh, up until frog and toad, probably, they weren't allowed to be
0: open about it, right? Right? It was
1: was all subtext.
0: It's funny that you say that, bring that up, because, I mean, you know. What, Frog and Toad? No, no, not that. When you were talking about how everybody wants to claim Rumi, I thought of a couple other people like that, and one of them I thought of was Bonhoeffer. Okay. Every christian type wants to claim that bonhoeffer is the guy one of theirs whether they're you know progressive or yeah conservative interesting and bonhoeffer was definitely in a a male relationship yeah with another theologian who i can't remember now right um c.s lewis bonhoeffer (laughs) fan fiction much
1: (laughs) a bonhoeffer lewis
0: Brokeback Mountain story. <laughs> <laughs> um, damn, that's hot, but no. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Um, but Sh- Shams, they say, was the inspiration for, all, for much of his poetry. Wow. You know, it was just this person who helped him see things differently, express himself differently, blah, 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 blah. You know. Um, okay, I've got one more here. This one is called No Flag.
0: <clears throat> by Elvis Costello.
1: Yeah, sounds like it sounds like that. It's not that kind of flag. Oh. It's it's not like a protest like Bob, Bob Dylan song. Right. No flag waving
0: in the breeze. Uh.
1: Um sorry, I'm going to cut that out. Okay, uh <laughs> no flag. I used to want buyers for my words. Now I wish someone would buy me away from words. Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> I've made a lot of your
0: uh, hinge profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See how that goes.
1: I should. It should be all roomy quotes. I'll have that one. I'll have chase a deer and end up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Now I wish someone would buy me away from words. Tell me about it. I've made a lot of charmingly profound images. Scenes with Abraham and Abraham's father Azar, who is also famous for icons. I'm so tired of what I've been doing. So, did you hear that part? I've made a lot of charmingly profound images. Mm -hmm. He's talking about his poems, primarily. I'm so tired of what I've been doing. Then one image without form came, and I quit. Look for someone else to tend the shop. I'm out of the image-making business. Finally, I know the freedom of madness. A random image arrives. I scream, Get out. It disintegrates. (laughs) Here we go. Only love. Only the holder the flag fits into. And the wind. No flag. End poem. Only love. Only the holder.
0: Flag holder.
1: The flag fits into.
0: I lost the page. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing a lot of... (laughs) Handwork here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prop, prop work. Um, Only the holder of flag fits into and wind. No flag. You tracking with me? <laughs> so, so here, here we go. Let me just unpack like it, it, it for us. So images, right? He's talking about his poetry or you could say any art. Mm-hmm. The creation of images, right? Mm-hmm. That these images are are intended to represent some beautiful thing, right? Some experience, some unknowable thing, whether it's a painting or a poem or a parable. And he's sick of it. He's sick and tired of it. He's sick of these damn images that he has to keep making or that he keeps making and that always fall short and that are always imprisoning to him and that are driving him crazy and driving him mad hmm So he gets to the point where an image pops into his head of, you know, a deer going to a stream and he says, Get out, get out of my head. So this is I expect this in no less than ten years if you continue to paint. Like that I I'll hear Aiden say that dad's been walking around and every now and then he'll just shout, Get Out to nobody <laughs> because he's got a painting idea in his head and he doesn't want to paint anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, only love, right? This is what the the paintings and the images can't express. And he doesn't want that anymore. He wants, so no holder for the flag to fit into. Excuse me, only the holder the flag fits into, the flag being form, Mm. the flag being image. And then wind that would blow that image. I see call it spirit. I see no flag
0: interesting so
1: and and to me that also the idea of madness as freedom, hmm. right like so going back to Basquiat, freedom obviously always elusive, always outside of our grasp except perhaps in madness the only true form of freedom is total complete insanity <laughs> <laughs> that's bleak but but is it is it not am i not right or or is is that the only form of freedom
0: yes you're right
1: this is getting really really d- d- hippy dippy here
0: no i mean i i really like it <clears throat> um i mean i can't go i can't take art seriously for more than 3 months tops right before I reach complete existential for sure blackness yeah and i'm quite sure yeah i mean ultimately there it is just a thing to do mm-hmm. it's a thing to do right it's something to occupy your mind right <laughs> in killing time mm-hmm. it can't it it can't be life itself mhm um right it's just yeah, it's not big enough to contain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: now, the one reaching for the book is I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> reach away. I'm giving that book a reach around.
0: Did you Google that <laughs> since our last discussion? <laughs> no, but
1: I think you're probably right. Okay, what do you got here? We got some, um, some music music going.
0: What? Do do do. I don't do, think do, we can do, both do, be Paging do, through do, a book. I'll do, put do, I'll put mine down. No, it's no, I I don't have anything matter. else. Um, me neither. Um, okay. Yeah, no. Any closing thoughts on that? I don't think you <laughs> have. Yeah, I I, I, I I think you made perfectly clear the connection your dissertation
1: right do you understand why i had to ring the bell of ignorance at the beginning
0: yes absolutely
1: and now why that Are we, we can it conclude it, that we ha we can ring the bell of uh articulateness <laughs> <laughs> of, hot takes. of intelligence we need another one for yeah
0: for hot takes and content creation
1: yeah um no there's not much left i have to say i feel like i've I've let the poets do the talking today, or let the writer, let the artist do the talking. Yeah. um, And I can't really add much. Uh, Where do you go? Where do you go from here? I mean, should I get a Rumi tattoo? You think? Yeah, like a Rumi tattoo and a Basquiat tattoo. Maybe both combined into one. Like, um,
0: get get the text of a Rumi, tat. Yeah. And then put the crown on it. That's good. Basquiat crown. Oh man copyright
1: it'd be so cool yeah and then i could explain and
0: idiots. then that is your your hinge picture <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then i have to i have to if they ask ask about this i have to send them a link to this episode <laughs>
0: <laughs> like what's your what your tattoo mean hang on one sec let me text you send you a link <laughs> you need to make it to at least uh an hour 40 <laughs> in the... do you have amazon prime
1: you should buy the collected essential Rumi, Coleman Bur- Barks translation. But
0: don't support Amazon.
1: Yeah, but also don't support Amazon. Uh, stream Basquiat, but don't do it on YouTube. Yeah. Go to your local library and watch it.
0: Yeah. Go to your local bookstore and stream. Uh, <laughs> they just stream the Basquiat movie. Yep.
1: Watch it. Watch it on the like communal projector in the in the library.
0: Speaking of uh, which, <clears throat> I asked for a couple of Jack Vance books. Right. For my birthday. Nerd. And um, and th- like a lot of a lot of them now, like his, except for his big f- few anthologies, um they're th- like you get these weird reprint versions. Like mm-hmm. someone is reprinting them, and they're they're the book quality is not great, and the illust- like the covers right. are kind of lame. Yeah, 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 yeah. But one of them, like the I didn't even realize I put it on my list on Amazon, and someone got it for me, and. The supplier was from some independent used bookseller in mm-hmm. California, and they sent a nice little note with nice. everything. Love that. It's a first edition hardcover. No way. Really cool cover art. Sick. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, I got to check that out. Yeah.
1: Love a good handwritten note from a bookseller.
0: Yep. Might patronize them again.
1: You should. Support local businesses.
0: Definitely going to do that. Support
1: small businesses so that large businesses can do whatever the fuck they want.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. I, yeah. I I like that. I would really like to read Rumi. I really would. You should. I I I, I can
1: le- leave this with you. Um, I'm I've done my fair share. No more Rumi for me. Um, it's over. I'm out of the image making business. Yep. Um,
0: you know, I was gonna. Um,
1: it's kind it of a one time thing, you know, Rumi. Like you read it once, you don't need to read it again. <laughs> yeah. I'm just
0: kidding. Um, kind of like I was going. If we needed to fill time, I was going to take us through some Deschamps. Mm. images since uh we managed to get through the whole Dada episode without looking at any art right um did you know so like 1913 he's doing have you ever seen nude descending stairs cubist painting and you'd look at it and be like that's a perfect cubist painting yeah 1917 he's he's putting a urinal in a gallery sure right right 19 Around the same time, he's got Mona Lisa with a mustache on it. Nice. Okay, 1923. He's done with art forever. <laughs> he quits. Wow, Isn't that's that that's the Dada track. Yeah. Which great, awesome. Yeah. That's and you know that's what, what he was, in- was talking about. You know what he was into for the rest of his life? BDSM. <laughs> yes. Uh also known as surrealism. Uh, no. Uh, chess.
1: Interesting. I've never felt more, um, like connected. And, and I, I, it's, it's very gauche to reference another podcast on a podcast, but the one We're known, the formerly known as Wait, yeah, everyone break, listens to podcast. Yeah. Right. Uh, formerly known, uh, sometimes referred to as the, as the Cush God or, uh, Kushman. Yeah. man. Uh, he talks about <laughs> in a recent stream episode of, uh, the Kush vlog, his death drive and playing chess. That every time he plays chess he hates it so much. His cause he hates logical strategic thinking in that way. Yeah. Like which is required in chess, spatial strategic thinking. Yeah. That there's a death drive that he is intentionally losing as fast as he can, even if he doesn't realize it. Yeah. That I I've never felt a more accurate description for the I've never won a game of chess, except against your daughter. <laughs> That's it. His daughter's six. Yeah. I have a death drive when we play chess. I I don't not appreciate the game, but there's something about it that makes me so viscerally feel so viscerally inadequate and stupid, that I that I, that I hate I hate all the decisions I have to make. I just want it to be over with as quick as possible without being rude. <laughs> 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 that
0: doesn't surprise me in the least. Yeah, it's just a different brain type. It's- yeah,
1: I'm sure I could learn enough. I, I, I could, if I could learn the basic like. Some moves don't do this, don't do that. Think in this way; it would probably alleviate a lot of that, and it'd be fine.
0: What is what is your Myers Briggs code?
1: Um, I'm INFP.
0: INFP. Or
1: actually, I think I'm more E. Actually, I, I'm like fifty-fifty IE.
0: Compared about, to me, sure. Are and you? What are you? Are you, you an INFJ? No, I'm an INTP.
1: Uh, okay
0: but i think it's those last two letters those are the that, more that make chest not for you for sure and i'm half of that right we sh- yeah no you're absolutely right so Damn. i'm half i'm halfway t
1: is thinking versus feeling right t and f i think so i n f p is feeling versus thinking i guess and you know? yes that's that's true um anyway should we get into personality test for the last hour of this episode?
0: I don't think there's any podcast out there about enneagram, the enneagram. or <laughs> yeah. you know what. That...
1: Okay, this is now from now on. This is an enneagram podcast because nobody else is doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Actually, I
0: I I just th- I think horoscope is back. Oh, for sure. Instead of enneagram, I think enneagram well, is
1: enneagram is still kind of in the Christian ghetto a little bit. Sure. But but it it has branched out. Like, there, it's not just post-progressive evangelicals who like it, which is kind of how it started, mm-hmm. at least when it became more popular. But, oh, yeah. Horoscopes are huge.
0: I mean, who doesn't like talking about themselves? And <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> at length. Yeah. Yeah. And ex- try, trying to find a way to explain every facet of their personality.
0: Yeah, but in a way that it's all, you know, pretty much decided for you. Yeah. Yep. You don't
1: have to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I could go on a Ben Shapiro style rant about that.
0: Please should, do. Should I? No, I
1: won't. I think they're fine. Um,
0: sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Cool, man. Yeah, this was. Uh, I was a little nervous. I thought we were gonna. I thought I was gonna get. You know what? That was a that was up. a
0: daunting material. I I honestly didn't want to lead the one on Basquiat, So I'm glad you finally took up the mantle. Okay. Yeah. And uh, nice, nice work. Cool. <laughs> nice work. Put those guys to bed.
1: Yeah, we can We can never, we
0: don't have to talk or think
1: about them ever again. Yep. Um, I'm just kidding. Okay, so this concludes Magic Camp. Once again, we ring the bell of ignorance. Stay safe, campers. Get your vaccine. <laughs> get your fifth booster. Get your boosters. Yeah. Um,
0: and then get the, get COVID.
1: Then get COVID. Yeah. So that you have the antibodies and the booster. Well, it's been real. Uh, remember, chase a deer, end up everywhere. hmm Okay. See you later.